It is Friday, August 5th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome. It's the third annual Draft Sharks Invitational. Just like the past two nights, we have two drafts down. We've got draft number three out of six. After tonight, we'll be halfway home. Joining me again, Jared Smola, Mike Shope. Mike, you've drafted one. You've talked with us for one. Uh, a fun time, right? Just like the last two years. It's the best. It's Friday night. We're starting late. Why, by the way? Because Adam was in charge. <laughs> where is where is Adam? Is he at the movies? Is he at uh, Nick's? Where is Adam right now? I have no idea. Probably the blackjack table. Oh, congrats to the other players. <laughs> so congrats to the house. Congrats to the house, right? This, of course, just like every other Draft Sharks Invitational League is running on Fantrax, totally free for you to set up. Not just free for us to run these leagues, but you can go to Fantrax and set up a free league, totally customizable. That's why we're there, because it handles our funky format that we'll get into more as we talk about that draft. If you go to Fantrax.com slash Draft Sharks now, you can set up your own free league. You can import an existing league from elsewhere if you want to save those settings, but just get a better site for the performance. And now that it's August, if you go ahead and register on Fantrax, you will be automatically entered in their drawing to win their game day experience where they are sending one lucky league, the whole league, to an NFL city of your choice. They're going to give you $6,000 of spending money. Uh, honestly, Mike, this sounds like a bad idea to send 12 dudes who play fantasy together to a single city <laughs> and give them money. It can be. Uh, <laughs> where would you go? What we game were talking would you about that previously. I, I New Orleans would be a, a lean for me. I think. Yeah, I've I, I've done New Orleans. I went with L.A., which I've done too. But um, I want to watch the Chargers. That's my team this year, and yeah, I think L.A.'s a, a good city, and yeah, you know, nice nice weather, which is at the top of my list. Pick a holiday. I mean, the Bills, for instance, play Detroit on Thanksgiving, Chicago at at Detroit at Chicago on Christmas Eve at Cincinnati on January 2nd. Like, build it around a holiday. That's what I would do. It's cold, though. I mean. Well, I wouldn't pick any of those games. But, you know, pick a holiday. You want to spend a Christmas oh, or yeah, Thanksgiving yeah. or New Year's in a city, then yeah. you're fine. <laughs> Vegas, New Year's, maybe. I like, I like that idea. We are in our third draft, as we said, of this funky format. And just to get into it real quick, it's mostly familiar settings. It's PPR scoring. You do start three wide receivers, but – we got tight end premium, so tight ends get one and a half points per reception. It is super flex, so we got two flex spots, spots to fill every week. One of those can be a quarterback, and it is best ball, so your lineup will automatically be set. No kickers, no defense, 17 weeks of best ball points collection. The best team will win for the season. The draft order for tonight, number one, Mark Garcia, who is a game theory guy at one week season, an experienced fantasy player and an avid poker player, also a military pilot. Or Jared, he's got to be the closest thing I know to a real-life Top Gun, you know, dude. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know anyone else that can that comes close to competing with that. He is at HiloFF <laughs> on Twitter. Billy Muzio is picking second tonight. He is an analyst at Full-Time Fantasy, also a successful high-stakes player. He is at FF Muzio. Number three, John Daigle, four for four. And Betspurts now, previously at NBC. He is at NotJDaigle on Twitter. 
Dave Hubbard is number four, one of the more accomplished high stakes players out there. Been doing it for a while. And if you're looking for him on Twitter, he goes by his prison number. So he's like John Valjean uh, <laughs> on Twitter. Our own Kevin English is number five, a six figure winner in fantasy, by the way. So I'm going to be watching what he's doing to try to plan my own draft for next week at K English DS. Number six, Jay Reed and Scott Connor tag teaming. They have combined for 21 league titles in FFPC events. Together, they are at Chase the Helmet on Twitter. Number seven, Kevin Scott, in his words, started with 100 bucks. Now he's over 100K. If you want to find out how, you can listen to his Grinding the Data podcast. He is at Kevin Scott FF. Number eight, Nelson Sousa, more than a million dollars in high stakes winning over his 15 year career as a high stakes player, including the FFPC main event title at one point. He does content for FTN Fantasy as well. He is at the underscore franchise 12 on Twitter. Jerry Hooten is number nine in our draft order tonight. He was the winner of the 2020 FFPC main event. He's not on Twitter because he's keeping all of his fantasy secrets to himself. Number 10, John Paulson, director of forecasting at four for four, consistently strong performer in the accuracy contest. He is at four for four underscore John on Twitter. Number 11's Ian Allen, a principal author of the fantasy football index magazine since 1987. So that means he's been playing fantasy since before computers knew how to do it. FSGA hall of famer. You can find fantasy index on Twitter at fantasy index. And then number 12 is Grant Barfield, co-owner of fantasy points, creator of yards created for running backs. And Jared, you'll like this. He calls himself a PGA betting degenerate. Oh, me and Graham, we could, we'd get along nicely. And <laughs> I know Graham, not on the show right awesome now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Is he hey, right look now who's, uh... figuring out what to do? That's right. Yeah. Look who's I mean... joined us though. It's, it's Top Gun himself. <laughs> What's right. up gentlemen? How are we doing? <laughs> hey Mark. Welcome Goose. Thanks for, thanks for having me again, man. This is a blast. We would love having you anytime. And you kicked off this draft with not a quarterback. It is super flex. You started with Christian McCaffrey. Tell us about why you went not quarterback at number one. The way that the scoring is set up, uh, basically the one one is down to CMC and Josh Allen as the true potential separators. Um, and that's across all positions. So I just went uh, CMC. I wanted to mix it up and make a little bit of a statement who my 1.01 across the board is this year. And do you think that it's easier to do from there because coming back, you expect there to be a couple of quarterbacks available at two, three, you know, not necessarily saying that's where you're going to go, but at least that Avenue is there and makes it a little bit easier to go. Not quarterback at number one. Yeah, there's definitely, especially the way that this year, kind of the, the draft landscape is set up. There's some high upside quarterbacks that are going, um, you know, quarterback 15 to 18 range that I have my eye on here. This is this is the quarterback heaviest start we've seen so far, though. Yep. So be that was pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what gets back to you. Yeah, quite the run there, huh? Yeah. Jalen Hurts yep. went 112 each of the first two nights. Yep. Okay. I know because I was one of those teams and now one eight, it was a mad rush, but um, you know, I Graham probably I, I would wonder and be interested to know. Maybe he pivoted because of how orange the start was. Yeah, that's certainly the kind of insight that'd be interesting to know. So we did have Josh Allen go second, then it was Jonathan Taylor, then the run of seven straight quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady. Back around in the second, we had three more quarterbacks go so far. Mark, is that more than you would have expected to this point? Is it going differently than you anticipated? Yeah, that's definitely 
probably four, maybe even five quarterbacks more than I thought would go over the first round and a half in this, who we have in this draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought it would be a little bit more spread out, but we'll see how this goes. It's interesting. Have you, we've had a lot more super flex tournaments available across multiple sites this off season. Have you dipped into those? Uh, Sparingly we'll say, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've already maxed the BBM on underdog. Um, I'm halfway about halfway through the DK Millie. Um, so, but this is really only the what fourth or fifth, like super flex best ball draft that I've done this year. And of course you talked about the scoring, the lineup settings are different from those two. We need to fill more spots. So a slight devaluation to quarterback versus what you're doing and say a, an underdog uh, super flex tournament. So, you know, that alters the approach. I, I know I talked to you about it on Twitter, but I thought it was interesting to note that you had already maxed out best ball mania when I were probably not even halfway full yet. Right, Jared? Yeah. yeah Mark I might know better time. than I would. I think we're right around half at this point. Yeah. I think just, uh, just under, I think. Yeah. So I, I asked you on there, but I, I think others might like to know, like what was the strategy in going ahead and, and maxing out that early in the, you know, in the entry time. Yeah, so I'm the game theory guy, right? Um, And it came down to, I I planned going into this year to basically space them out 50, 50, 50. 50 before like camps open, 50 between camps, uh, or I guess mini camps and start a preseason. And then 50 uh, once preseason starts. Sorry, I'm on the clock real quick. Go for it. We'll (laughs) give you a little break to um, make some, especially with two (laughs) picks coming up. So let's recap some of the other picks. I, I talked about the quarterbacks, but... After that run of seven quarterbacks in round one, we had Justin Jefferson, then Cooper Cup. Graham Barfield took Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase around the turn. So at 12, decided to pass on quarterback and wait until the end of round three for his next shot at one. Then it was Austin Eckler, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Trey Lance, Travis Kelsey, Kirk Cousins in the middle of round two, which I believe is earlier than the past couple nights. Mark Andrews. 4-1. Mark Andrews just ahead of the Lamar Jackson teams. No stack for Dave Hubbard there if he was looking for it. Saquon Barkley after Andrews. Kyle Pitts before the end of round two. Then Stephon Diggs to the Josh Allen team. So we've got two Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs stacks among our three leagues so far. And then we got Mark back at the turn. Followed Christian McCaffrey with Dalvin Cook at the end of round two. And then round three pick. I'm waiting to see it pop up on the board. Maybe you've already entered. There you go. Justin Fields at the first quarterback. So talk us through the decisions with those two picks. Uh, so the plan was to probably double tap quarterback there, but they just flew off the board. Um, Dalvin Cook is my RB3 overall this year. So obviously doubling up with CMC and Dalvin Cook, you know, two top five potential backs there. Uh, it was tough to pass up with the amount of quarterbacks that are already off the board. What is it that you like about Cook this year? Do you, do you think the new offense is an upgrade for him? I think it's an upgrade for him, and I think it actually reduces the injury risk because less between the tackles stress, probably more receptions is what I'm thinking mm-hmm. with a new offensive scheme there. So, um, like, on a point-per-game basis, like CMC and Dalvin Cook, that's, like, as much upside at the position as you can expect. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I think, with the way that that new scheme sets up, uh, I think that offense is is probably one of the – highest upside per individual ADPs that there are. And even if you don't brush aside the injury risk, I mean, he's a different player to look at in terms of points per game versus total points with that injury risk baked in. 
Yeah, exactly. In a best ball format, like you're really you want the spike week potential, you want the points per game, you want the the ability to put up like multiple top five at the position finishes across the season. So just made a little bit of sense there. Mark, did you have a number for how many running backs you thought was optimal coming in here? And then does that change now? Yeah, so this is a different format, obviously, one with the scoring and two with the depth of roster and also with the amount of uh, positions needed to start weekly. So um, I am kind of all over the place (laughs) with respect to my RB allocation, uh, and that I could talk your ear off for hours about the the game (laughs) theory behind that. But um, in a format like this, with 25 rounds coming in that sweet spot that you're probably going to see a lot of is that six to seven, six to eight running back range um, on a 25 roster slot roster Um, with me double tapping early that you might see a little bit of change there, but we'll have to wait and see how that shakes out here. You don't want to give up the exact number of running backs you're going to finish with right now. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry for asking. Yeah. You know, I, I wish it were that easy as like having a plan and drafts just like fell as you would want all the time. But um, yeah, it's, it's like, that's probably a good teaching point is just having the, the flexibility in these, mm-hmm. especially a draft like this with these heavy hitters. My goodness. I was going to say, if you go into a, this draft with a plan and it goes exactly as you planned, then probably either you're wrong or we built the <laughs> yeah. <thing> wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Anybody in that quarterback group or even a couple of guys that you thought would make it to the end of round two that might have changed your decision and made you double tap quarterback there? Yeah, Cousins was probably the guy. Cousins was probably the one. Uh, Probably would have gone Cousins Fields there. Um, One high upside guy, one kind of we'll call him a higher floor guy. Uh, this is from a weekly sense, but um, really like cousins this year. Um, I, I already kind of talked about that offense as a whole. So uh, mm-hmm. that probably would have been the guy, but he went, you know, middle on the, on the way back. So that's pretty crazy. And yeah. he went to a team that now has three quarterbacks. Are you surprised to see a team that starts with Mahomes go ahead and take three of them through three rounds? Yeah, that is surprising for sure. Um, there's all kinds of, theory and thought process that can go into that but uh i guess it it would make more sense on a on a deeper roster i guess construct like we have in this with 25 roster spots um i don't think i've seen that (laughs) i don't think i've seen that i'd be interested to talk to those guys and and kind of hear their thought process there yeah i'm just looking through the the first two drafts so in the first draft jake seeley took his third quarterback in round four and then last night, I believe Mike Leone was the first to take his third in round five. So th- th- this is the first team that's opened with three straight quarterbacks. And maybe that's the thought is nobody else is going to do it. Yeah. So let's go ahead and do it. We did, Adam and I did pros versus Joes with Jay and Scott last year. And they started four running backs and it felt purposeful. Like we're just going to do this and then no more running backs the rest of the night. So uh, much respect for those two guys, but it might've been, maybe we're in the middle of it, like sort of a let's do this and then play it out from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I will never argue against that doing something that, <laughs> that is not being done, especially in a right. contest like this for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's certainly what I look to you for is the not doing things that everybody else is not doing. <laughs> do you ever find yourself, yeah. uh, do you ever catch yourself overthinking in a draft? Like, or do you ever get too far into your head and, you know, kind of have to pull yourself back a little bit? 
maybe when maybe at the beginning of draft season you know we've already been drafting for oh my god two and a half three months right something like that um so maybe at the beginning where it's like you're still trying to get the feel of the overall draft landscape uh but at now when i'm you know 230 240 drafts in it's more of a like i don't need the whole clock to to get through my thought process it's just kind of just kind of flows out mm-hmm what is behind that door? So if you turn that right over your right shoulder, you turn that doorknob, is it a kitchen? Is it kids screaming? I'm What's in, going on back there? I'm in my master head. closet because I have screaming kids downstairs. So I, I'm like set up on a little stool here. It's nice and quiet. This is great. Nice. Well, You're welcome for giving you an excuse to get away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Literally looking for as many of those as I can. Right. <laughs> Mark, you're welcome to stay on with us through your next, um, you know, turn, but we will also let you go if you'd rather focus on being able to make those picks. Uh, yeah, I can hang out for, for a couple more minutes. Sweet. We'll keep you around for that four or five turn and then we'll let you go focus on the rest of it. So let's catch up on some of the picks that have happened uh, while we've been talking to Mark. After that Justin Fields pick, we had Matthew Stafford go. Um, and actually, before we go any further, has that yeah. changed for you at all, Mark, where you would put Stafford versus Justin Fields because you took Fields with Stafford still on the board? Has that changed at all with the elbow situation with Stafford? I don't think so. It was more of a it was more of a potential weekly upside pick. Um, I don't think you can really read too much into reports that are coming out at the beginning of camp like we're at right now, but um, it, it, I guess it is a, a valid concern with Stafford and, and not having thrown yet, but to me, like that could be anything from, Hey, they're just managing his off season reps. You know, we, we saw it a little bit last year. Um, it could be anything like that to all the way, like, to like, Hey, he's got like some Tommy John stuff going on that we have no idea about. So with that wide range of outcomes, um, I think it could present a, a position to take a little bit of leverage on if he starts slipping for sure. Mm-hmm. Stafford was the 14th quarterback off the board here. Uh, you look at like FFPC ADP, he's quarterback 11. So, you know, he dropped uh, three spots from his you know, recent ADP. The line yeah. is up to two for the opener. Bill's Mike's, minus two. Mike's it's on the line. Be- it's moving because of the injury. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be. Well, and Justin Fields, regardless of where Stafford goes, 13th in this one. So whether you're on Stafford or not, that's early for Fields versus ADP. So mm-hmm. um, it's is that in general you are high on the upside for Fields this year and especially in a, at a tournament format just chasing the, the week-to-week spike potential for him? Yeah, when you get these kind of like, you know, the, the catchphrase, the Konami code quarterbacks, you know, rushing upside, especially in a four-point per passing touchdown format like this is, um, you just get that untapped, uh, like additional floor with like not sacrificing ceiling that a pocket passer like Stafford or, or, uh, Tom Brady is going to have, uh, you like last year I was like almost 30%, uh, Jalen hurts that same kind of archetype where mm-hmm. 10th, 11th round quarterback that's, that's has that kind of rushing upside Mm -hmm. a little bit different story this year with Justin Fields. Obviously the offensive line is not anything close to what, you know, what, uh, sorry, I heard. And the wide receiver core is lacking a Devante Smith (laughs) and also lacking a Dallas Goddard. So I agree. It's not quite the same, but a similar situation. We'll talk through some other players that have been drafted while Mark's making his picks on the clock. George Kittle 
followed Matthew Stafford at three, three, which is significantly earlier than he went last night. I think the tight ends got pushed up overall, even though Kelsey went a little bit later, Deandre Swift after that, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, CD lamb, Devonte Adams, uh, Debo Samuel, Derek Henry, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon. We got Graham Barfield now is through four picks without a quarterback guys, two wideouts, then two running backs. Cause he followed Joe Mixon with Alvin Kamara. Then we had Matt Ryan, Aaron Jones, Javante Williams, Leonard Fournette after Javante Williams, Tyreek Hill, Nick Chubb, Darren Waller, Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence to the first quarterback to John Daigle's team, Mike Evans. And then we get back to Mark's turn with Michael Pittman, Ryan Tannehill. Talk to us about why those two guys were your picks. Michael Pittman, a uh, little bit of game theory here. Um, so I passed on Jonathan Taylor at the 101. And so Pittman made a very reasonable double hedge on that uh, by taking CMC over Taylor there. Um, obviously, we don't know what a reason would be for Jonathan Taylor to quote unquote fail, but Michael Pittman, for whatever reason going off, could be one of those reasons. Uh, Tannehill. Tannehill, I like the sneaky added floor because he's got sneaky rushing potential. You know, seven rushing touchdowns each of the last two years. I also am higher on Tannehill than the field because of the basically strength of schedule matrix um, and shift in that strength of schedule from last year to this year. I think that Tennessee is going to have a lot fewer positive game scripts where Derrick Henry can really take over. Um, You know, obviously a very game script dependent back uh doubling down on that that would you know then mean that Tannehill has a little bit of additional upside here Mm -hmm. mark how um interested or you know concerned or how big a priority are you placing on stacking in this tournament where you're trying to beat you know 71 other teams it's not a huge tournament but it's you know it's also not a contained 12 team league yeah, so a little bit of uh reduced emphasis i would say is probably closer to optimal in the sense you know you have to look at what, how many teams are advancing from week to week or how many teams are playing against at the end. In a, in a format like this where it's a little bit more heavily biased towards cumulative points, um, obviously stacking is a way to capture additional upside and reduce the amount of variables that need to go right in order for you to succeed. Um, but obviously it's going to increase your variance. So it's a, it's a definite delicate dance, a, a salsa every move as a counter move type thing um, to piece together or piece through those thoughts. Uh, I guess the too long didn't read version of that is probably it. It depends. <laughs> um, yeah. In, but in this, um, I would not be going out of my way in the early rounds to force the issue, but we'll see how they come together in the middle to later rounds. I would say. It always depends. That's always the answer. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I wish I had a Victor Cruz video clip to throw up since you talked about a salsa <laughs> dance. Yeah, yeah, that would have been nuts. <laughs> well, Mark, thanks very much for sitting in with us, talking us through two of your turns around there. We look forward to seeing how you finish this build. Um, why don't you tell folks where to find your stuff? Yeah, man, I appreciate that. Um, I am the lead fantasy football analyst at OWS, so that's one week season. Uh, we just launched a little bit of a best ball product. You can check that out as well for only a buck. Uh, if you want to check out some of my work, you can use promo code HILO, H-I-L-O-W, uh, for 20% off. So uh, look forward to that. OWS, primarily DFS, but uh, expanding the horizons this year. Nice. At HILOFF on Twitter. Certainly recommend the follow. Mark, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, gents. It's been a blast. Take care. 
And right on the tail of that, we have another drafter joining us as Kevin Scott is in the room. Let me scroll down to where I can add him. Kevin, welcome aboard. How are you guys? Great. We're just watching some experts draft some football teams. What else would you want to do on Friday night? <laughs> for, for like, like the the third, night, third night in a row, right? You guys getting tired of this yet? No, not yet. <laughs> never get not tired yet. of drafting. That's that's cool. I, I'm running upstairs going to charge it. Got some serious passion if you're watching this that long. So that's great. <laughs> that's <right. laughs> so let's look at what you've done so far in the middle of this round. You got Kyler Murray in round one, then Travis Kelsey, middle of round two, PD Lamb, Tyreek Hill, James Conner. So were you happy to see Kyler Murray get to that point first, or was there another quarterback that you were maybe hoping for? Well, if you know me, you know that I'm a gigantic Chiefs fan. So I was heartbroken uh, to, to miss out on Mahomes there. I have him as the number one quarterback this season. So, yeah, I was I was sad about that. Uh, but, you know, Kyler Murray has the running upside that he doesn't have, and I only have them projected about 20, 20 points apart. So it wasn't that uh, that heartbreaking. And you got your guy Kelsey in round two. I, right, yeah. I, I, I praised Mike for getting Jalen Hurts and Travis Kelsey with his first two picks. I think you did better, Kevin, to get – Tyler Murray and Travis Kelsey with your first two. Well, thank you. Yeah, I I was happy. I was surprised he made it back in tight end premium. But, you know, all these quarterbacks going off certainly helped. Does Jared know that I'm back? (laughs) (laughs) He just saw some guy in the tropics. He's like, oh, Mike's probably out on vacation. Not really listening to me. I got to plug the computer in. So, Kevin, you have have Mahomes QB1. Are you – so you're obviously not concerned about the loss of Tyreek. Uh, no, not at all. I, I mean, the, the guy's a freak. Um, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. I, obviously, I watch every game, and um, I'm certainly biased. But um, I think he's uh, he's got you know the best combination of skills that you could want in a quarterback as far as his his brain and his uh, his his arm. And um, I, I don't think who it really matters who's out there. I think it's going to be one of those things where Tyreek is. Um, I think he'll do fine, but I think he's going to eat his words a little bit. Obviously, I drafted him in this, so I still like him. He's a super talented guy. Um, but I think Mahomes is going to perform no matter who's with him. Uh, he's going to find the open guy. And, you know, obviously Reed's system helps, but um, it's not Reed's system. It's it's the guy is, is a freak. He's an amazingly talented player. Mm-hmm. Do you ever look back on your projections and think that you let bias uh, factor in? I mean, I think we all do to some degree without knowing, but yeah. do you ever look back at, at some point and be like, ah, I think I was, uh, I think I was rooting for this guy while I was projecting his numbers. Yeah, it's a it's a constant battle. Like I'm I'm always like looking back at it and um and asking myself that question even as I do the the rankings um and and the projections like tweaking them here and there. I think bias is always going to be a part of it and you can't eliminate it, but you just have to be aware like hey, you know, that's why I think the range of outcomes is important knowing that, you know, that this doesn't go right, this guy gets hurt, etc. It can maybe not go exactly like I thought and uh, be prepared for that, but you know, as far as like uh, the Chiefs bias, I, I pretty much um, the last few years have been easy because I've had Kelsey at the top and Mahomes at the top and Tyreek at the top. And it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, they've all been pretty much at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, for example, like I'm not really drafting Chiefs skill position guys outside of Kelsey. I'm avoiding almost all of them, the receivers and the backs, except Sky Moore, if I can get them late enough, because I just don't know who's going to perform um, where the ball is going to go. I think that's partly why they made the change. They wanted to be more difficult to predict um, and, you know, have it more of a spread out offense. So in that case, you know, yes, it's probably always a part, but I'm not, I try not to worry too much about it. Just make my best, uh, best projections and let the, let the chips fall. 
Mm-hmm. Does Juju make it to six nine? You know, I won't take him if he does. I'm I'm a very I'm low on Juju. Um, I actually think like I have Juju and, and uh, Sky more projected within a few points of each other. I think it's going to be and MVS really is right there too. I have all three within like maybe fifteen points. Um, and I think that might be a little high for MVS. If, if Sky Moore becomes what he can be fast, then he'll be their number one receiver besides Kelsey. Um, I don't I don't see MVS just all of a sudden exploding just because he's with Mahomes in, in a crazy way. Um, and I just think Juju's overrated. He's he's always been to me like when I watched him next to um, you know, the other receivers he was he's been with. Obviously Antonio Brown. I think he succeeded because he had that guy over there and they had to double team him all the time. And then when he was with Deontay Johnson early, I was like, Deontay's better. Deontay's rookie year. I thought he was better than Juju. So yeah, I'm going to, I'll be avoiding him. Christian Kirk this off season got $70 million in free agency, two straight off seasons. Juju could not do better than a one year deal for right. less than 10 million. So yeah, if somebody think, agrees with me. <laughs> yeah. I think the league has showed us that they believe he is much more the guy of the past three years than the guy of the first two. So right. I agree that he's overrated at this point and he's the one of the three that I'm just not interested in at cost. Right. You know, we'll see if something changes, but I, I agree with the disinterest there. Now we've got Kevin coming up on the clock. So I'll try to talk through him having to talk while he's making the selection. <laughs> but he followed that first round quarterback with no other quarterbacks in the five selections since then. We had Travis Kelsey, CeeDee Lamb, Tyreek Hill, got James Conner, who's, you know, a stack in that they're on the same team. And I think that's certainly a bet that the Cardinals score plenty of points to take Kyler Murray and James Conner. Followed that as well with Marquise Brown, who we should expect to at least be the number one wide out through the first six games. And then we'll kind of see beyond that. Obviously they have the, uh, old college buddies thing going for him, which can't be a bad thing. We've got Kevin's next pick. About- he, thought, he, he thought I would stack in Juju, didn't he? No, I, <laughs> I got the round wrong or else I had something. I meant seven, eight. I said yeah, six, we, nine. We so, no, no, right here, though, Jay Reed and Scott just took Juju. Yeah, so. Yeah. I know, because he had Mahomes and you're, you're right, Kevin. Right. Right, right. So I thought he would go in one of those two picks. That would have been a good prop bet. Right. We, we, with all the technology we have in the world, we still don't have prop bets on fantasy drafts, but that's got to be pretty soon. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> so here I am. I think I'm going to just double down. If you look at the board, uh, Tua, I was the last quarterback taken, and those guys at the yeah. end, pretty much all of them past me have two QBs, so they may go a third QB, but I, I – I'm going to gamble, roll the dice a little bit that they won't, and they may be listening to this and it'll shoot me in the foot. But I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to triple down and take another receiver because of this format. I'm taking Amon Ra here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> C.D. Lamb as wide receiver five in the back half of the third round is mm-hmm. going to feel great. Yeah, I mean, actually, most people uh, still have Devontae above him. Uh, he's going above him in the FFPC. Um, I, I have Lamb as my number four receiver this year, so I, it was it was at cost for me kind of thing. I thought it was a fair value, and, I sh- you know, uh, Nelson went Devontae right after me. I thought that was a good pick too, but I just like him better. Well, we've got Billy Muzio in the queue as well. Should we bring another drafter in and let you guys fight it out on air? <laughs> That's cool with me. Sure. <laughs> Should I leave? <laughs> no, no. We got it. We need some tropics in here to keep it from getting too heated. Billy Muzio, <laughs> thank you very much for jumping in and joining us to talk this draft. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me hey, on. Bill. Howdy, howdy. So we talked to Kevin Scott about how his draft is going so far. 
let's take a look at what you have done because you had to be happy, I think, in the Superflex format to see Josh Allen get to number two, right? Yeah, it's kind of been the, the common joke with, with myself and Adam as of the last few weeks. It seems like if I'm picking in the top four or five picks, he's kind of actually fallen to me even at the five-hole-in-one Superflex draft before. And wow. Adam's just been getting throwing his hands up in disgust that it, gets, <laughs> it keeps happening. So he, he messaged me saying, I bet you, watch, Alan's going to fall to you, and I swear to God. And here, here he is. <laughs> Did you How tell does Adam you never get anybody things? he wants? How does Adam never get Allen? He never gets Barkley. He's constantly complaining about the players. How does Adam win money? Like he's that's always just, upset. That's just, what he's, that's just what he's telling you. He's just a complainer. He's always upset. <laughs> he's getting those guys. He's just he's not, constantly aggrieved. <laughs> I think um, it's over... about never getting comfy, Mike. <laughs> oh, I never get Barkley. I never get Josh Allen. I never get anything. <laughs> that's so, all right. Billy, you were the. Uh, not the last one, almost the last one to get a running back. We had one team get one later than you. But after you started with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, we had Matthew Stafford in round three, Mike Evans, then A.J. Brown. I This is the second time in three nights that I've looked at that and almost said Antonio Brown out loud. Um, <laughs> DK Metcalf, A.J. Dillon, your first running back in the seventh round. Are you concerned at all about Stafford in general? I mean, regardless, I think he's there's some of the risk built in if he's QB 14 here. Are you more hesitant with Stafford now than you were a couple weeks ago? Not really. I, I mean, it's camp news, right? It's We're looking at the beginning of August, and anything and everything is going to be reported on. If this is the same story in a week and a half, two weeks, uh, I think that my – my tune will change, but as of right now, I, you hit the hammer on the nail. The cost is baked in there to get him in the third round. If there was no news today, he probably goes at like the two four, two five range. Uh, if 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 we don't hear anything on his elbow. And did you come in expecting to go two quarterbacks within the first three rounds? No, I, I knew you know doing a lot of super flex drafts that I wanted to get it being in the first like four or five spots that I I typically get my my anchor quarterback and then from there just kind of let the board fall to me i i knew if i got allen that i wanted to get digs on the way back and just mm -hmm. stack it uh and then from there i would take either a quarterback in the third or if i if i didn't like anyone there like had stafford gone i probably would have pushed it until about round five or six and just taken you know that back in maybe tier two quarterback and just press my luck there and probably on running back over Stafford. But I always like to let the board just kind of dictate what I'm going to do and, and see which way I want to go. Uh, and, and then just kind of adjust from there. It was driving me nuts in the underdog um, super flex tournament. The first one, at least where I kept, when I did get in Josh Allen position, I kept watching Stefan Diggs go <laughs> off the board just before I got that shot at the end of the round. And then I would, you know, pick two or three, watch somebody else get Josh Allen. And then Stefan Diggs is making it there to the two, three turn. I have to admit that at least one of those times, just out of spite, I took Diggs without Josh Allen, just to make sure <laughs> that I did not get the stack that I've been chasing. How does that feel now? I don't. I don't feel bad about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Stack it was only one is... time, but I, I feel. I feel like one revenge shot's not too bad. If you get wrapped up, in, all of a sudden you're a, a Mel Gibson movie. Yeah, Stack five blocking, bucks, right? Stack blocking is another. Is is just. It's a whole another deal in like early early time of the year. Like now, I guess we're not early anymore. But you see people stack blocking in like March, and you're like, what are you doing? You know, it just, it just angers me. Yeah. Not something I would do in general. And I have complained about it, but I don't feel bad about doing it the one time it felt, it was a little cathartic. I got to admit, Kevin, we got two more picks from you since the last time we talked to you. Uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown, JK Dobbins, your second running back in round eight. What do you like about those guys or 
um, you know, how did the board bring them to you? Yeah, I'm just drafting, uh, you know, following my tiers here. And Amon Ra was the last guy in my tier um, that, you know, I, it, it, there's guys close to him. Like I have a couple of guys I won't mention that are pretty much the same tier, but he was at the top. So I thought I should grab him. I thought there might be a run on receivers right after that. There were a few. Uh, so I feel good about getting him. And then Dobbins was just the last guy who could be uh, a stud starter on my board. Um, I, I guess there's a few more like rookies and stuff that could theoretically could be, but um, he was, he was the top guy. I needed a second back. So I went for it. Obviously there's some risk with the injury, but um, I wanted to take that gamble in best ball. I don't understand why you don't want to say the other receivers out loud when the competitor is on the, on the air. With right now. He's just on the pit, on the clock right now, right? Yeah. Uh, J.K. They're, Dobbins, they're going, is that going. somebody that you're targeting in general, or are you? Is it like, oh, if he's going to be around this late, I'm going to take a shot and see what happens. You know, he, he's. I only have him on about two teams so far. Um, it just, I, I won't take him before the sixth on like a standard non non super flex draft. Um, there's, he's going a lot in the fifth. I feel like that's a little too early, but as my second back, if I go receiver heavy and I feel like the backs are getting thin, I have no problem taking him um, as, you know, as a potential upside guy. I mean, obviously, like I said, there's a risk, but I feel like at this point there's risk with everybody. Mm -hmm. Sure. It's a risky game. The backs are getting thinner after Billy's last three turns. He took AJ Dillon, Miles Sanders, Chase Edmonds on three consecutive turns. Uh, Just talk to us a little bit about how you have either, planned or decided to build this lineup as it's going yeah i I, i'm loving the value at running back this year i i I feel like this year more than ever there's just so much value in those mid to late rounds at the running back position Uh, a lot more still on the board that i really like i I mean for instance looking at my crew you want to tell us the names oh i mean yeah we can get there once we get there i'll be more than happy to hop (laughs) back on but we have uh, names (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, AJ Dillon and Sanders are my running back 2021 20, on the year. And then I was able to get Chase Edmonds, who's my running back 25 on the year. So very, very happy with um, where I'm able to get those guys securing down my, my two quarterbacks and, and getting my wide receiver core, having to start three here in this format. Uh, I still feel like there's a lot of value at tight end. I'm fine pushing it even in a tight end premium leagues. And so um, I, I really like the, the later round values this year in 2022. So Love the upside Dylan has, especially in in the um, the passing game with just kind of the uncertainty at the wide receiver position, and we saw him kind of come on hot la- last year, especially inside the passing game. Um, Sanders, who has kind of been hit or miss in in in, in the Eagles' offense, has has been you know making splash at camp, and especially with his you know how fast he's been running in the field, and I, I think that he's due for some positive touchdown regression. And then you know Edmonds again, it's another pass catching back in this. You know, uh, McDaniel's offense coming from the Shanahan tree. I expect a, a similar type of um, workload for him compared to the seen in the past. The Niners' offense running backs, and we've seen how how well they've done in the past. And and Edmonds has the the ability certainly to excel in that offense, and and is going to give him every opportunity to um, you know be utilized in the passing game as well. And and we're going to see this offense just spread around because this this team has so much speed. So I think it's really going to benefit Edmonds and give him a lot of uh, opportunities in the passing game as well as open up lanes in the rushing. It's not only Adam complaining about you getting Josh Allen every time, by the way. I wanted to pop <laughs> up a comment from our pal FF. See you later uh, in the YouTube chats, uh, wondering how you get Josh Allen in, in Superflex every freaking time. Like you have a voodoo doll or something. Yeah. I tell you, I don't even know. I, I'm not. It just happens. Like it's like, like I told you, I'd be like in the two, three, four. I've even been to the five hole and gotten them once. It's like everyone started off with like wide receivers and running back. And I just, I'm like, okay, thanks for the gift. I appreciate it. But <laughs> it happens. 
I can't wait Time to, to diversify. starring Billy Muzio and uh, Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah. hey, by, hey, by the way, you know, Billy's talking about his running back rankings. We, we all owe him a congrats. He was the most accurate draft ranker in the world last year. You know, won the <laughs> Fantasy Pros contest. So I know I congratulated you online, Billy. I guess I'm still doing it online, but at least I can, I can see your face when I say congrats. Well, thank you very much, Jared. It means a lot coming from you. I mean, you've been consistently in the, at the top and – I know that there's, you know, a few that I always look at weekly when I'm looking through the rankings and your name is definitely one of those. And, and, you know, always a pleasure to see you uh, finish up at the top as well. I mean, year after year, you're consistently at the top. So uh, I hope to be there. Uh, I hope I'm not just a one hit wonder and I'm going to be able to be there uh, in the next two or three years as I'm eligible for the year after year rankings. Kevin, any impulse to learn to fly planes after Billy and Mark Garcia go on the same show? I mean, do you feel like you need to fly planes to You guys both or... fly, huh? Yeah, actually, I get my. I have a plane arriving on Sunday. I'm, I'm, wow. I'm stoked. What what size? It's a it's a Cessna Columbia 400. So it's uh, it's a little single prop plane. Goes about 235 knots an hour. It can get from Bend, Oregon to Vegas in like two and a half hours. It's pretty sweet. How many people can you take on with you? Four, a thousand pounds. Okay, cool. So maybe That's like awesome. three, three people my size, but you can get, uh, <laughs> you, you can get, you can get four people in, you try to, in the plane. You try to only fly in good weather, or are you, are you brave? Uh, I mean, in Central Oregon, you don't always have the best weather. We'll, we'll fly in the winter when it's snowing, but um, I'm not IFR trained yet, so I'm just VFR. So I'm limited right now with what I can do, but I, I do plan on getting my IFR license so I can, I can head up in the clouds and, and fly a little higher. Wow, that's cool. Look at us, man. This it's a, it was a draft stream to begin with. Now it's an aviation podcast. <laughs> um, Kevin, I want to know, did you consider Deshaun Watson, who just went right after your selection of Sky Moore in round nine? Did you consider him there since you're still sitting on the one quarterback? He is completely off my board, man. Um, I feel pretty confident that he is going to be gone the whole season. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm fine with that. I mean, still, you're losing at the minimum six, right? So... Um, yeah, I, I didn't even think about him. Well, it's interesting to see the new developments that if they do actually appeal it, that he has the option to actually file a, um, a, a restraining order, which would allow him to play the entire season. So that, oh, really? that, new, so that new development is very interesting. I hadn't heard uh, that. So it's it, it all breaks down to this this appeal and, and, and the process, but they are saying as a possibility that he does file a restraining order and allows him to get on the field prior to week six. Hmm. I, I I think it would cost him a lot more money. It would. <laughs> and be a, a bad decision to do that. But he has never, ever admitted any guilt. And even Correct. through today, he continues to say, I didn't do anything, even though the owner of the Browns is running a press release about his remorse. Uh, he has never done that. So that's the step. Otherwise, I think you're right. He could do that and play week one at Carolina but it's way more expensive for him to get suspended next year for $40 million instead of this year for one. Um, so what's, the, so, what's the downside you're saying if he if he does do that? Why, why are you saying that would cost him more? Because if he's suspended next year, the way, they, the way they designed the contract was that this year they anticipated a full-year suspension, so his base salary is only 690000 this year. So if he does sit the whole year and just accept the one-year suspension, if it does get appealed and, and extended, then he only loses 690000 where next year he has the base salary of $46 million. So if, gotcha. if, he, if he plays this year and that suspension goes for 2023, he's out $46 million now. Okay, makes sense. So I agree with you, Mike, but he has seemed to be pretty, you know, adamant about um, his intentions and, and, and remaining innocent. So, I mean, 
I'm not going to get into the, the the morality of the issue, but I think that from what he has portrayed up to this point, I think it's been pretty clear that he intends to go the entire route and probably swing the extra mile here and 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 take take it the distance. And if that may that may even show that he's willing to put his money where his mouth is and and eat the money the next year if the suspension does does hit him. Well, I mean, if you think about it, if he's if he's uh, making ho- however much that was, three hundred million or whatever, I mean, forty is kind of a drop in the bucket. But um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I, it'd be, it's so a ballsy one. move. I mean, the, the positive for him if he did that is he gets to play now. It's it's all about the now for these athletes, and you know they don't have to they don't they have this prime for such a short time. They don't have to wait and push it off, right? But that that's that's right. Uh, in retrospect, at least what would have been best for his career is to settle last year. Yeah. And then he would have been traded to the dolphins where he wanted to be and probably played for the dolphins last year, but he refused to do that. He has been steadfast the whole time in maintaining that he did not think he did anything wrong. So that continues. And I mean, he, he didn't want to go to Cleveland. That was public, but then Cleveland came along with the guaranteed money, the contract, the way we're talking. And so now he's on the Browns. Mm-hmm. So uh, that will have to change or else I could see the lawsuit like we're talking about. And then he does play this year or at least the beginning. If that happens, it'd be wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Crazy a very story. interesting, a very interesting case. I and mean, I think Drew Davenport has done an excellent job kind of breaking it down and just being able to read his his expertise on, on the on the whole situation has been helpful. But uh, it's curious to see how it's going to continue to unfold. I'm on the yeah. clock. One second, boys. Yeah, Drew does an excellent job of breaking down all the legal stuff for us. Kevin finally got forced into taking a second quarterback there. And, you know, we got caught in Deshaun Watson, which the NFL has been for a couple of years now. But did you consider instead of Sky Moore taking either Carson Wentz or Jared Goff now that those guys are off the board? Because it is getting pretty thin on guys that are are locked in as starters. I was I was totally uh torn between grabbing one of those three guys and, and grabbing the upside receiver, uh, sky or another guy. Um, I went with uh, sky because I, at the, at the moment I was on the clock felt like Wentz, golf, Wilson, they're all like the same. So if two of them go, hopefully I get the third to, and for me, I, I was actually, I might have Wilson at the top of that list. I'm, I'm so down on Wentz. Mm-hmm. Um, golf is golf might be, have, have a good season. You know, I've heard you guys talk about golf and he's got some weapons, He's certainly shown he can put up some numbers before, so I have no problem with golf. But Wilson, man, he's got some weapons too, so he can get it turned around. He can be good this year. Yeah, I, I can't argue too much with choosing either way between Zach Wilson and Carson Wentz. I favor Wentz, but, I mean, you know, we'll see. We haven't seen it yet from Zach Wilson. Jared Goff, I think within that range, he's just like, if you go to a really nice Italian restaurant and you order chicken parm, it's not – you're probably not going to end up hating it, but you're not – shooting for ceiling so you know it's like the the safe route yeah wow it's so good <laughs> write that down it's so good <laughs> chicken parm is always good but hang on a second go back <laughs> wait can we rewind the podcast wow that's early for dj shark oh my goodness oh man i'm so high on dj shark this year it's astronomical yes. wait that's the first time i've heard somebody say i'm so high billy on billy that's so high man expound on I, that a little bit yeah I, I i there's a couple guys in this room that i know are high on him too and he's not going to probably make it back quite frankly okay. so it's a little bit of a reach but i'm going to get go out and get my guy he's my he's my wide receiver 45 on the year um I, I just love what he brings to this offense. I think it was a fantastic signing for them, knowing that Jamison Williams was going to be missing, you know, probably through the middle of November, if not later into the season. 
Chark comes in as the deep threat. He's got that that size and speed combination. We saw him flash as a rookie where he finished, I think it was top five in the league in air yards. He was, I think it was the widest year 15. Don't quote me on those numbers, but it's up there. Um, and so he has the size-speed combination. Uh, reports in camp, he's already connecting well with Goff. And, and I think that this offense is going to take a huge step forward. I actually put $100 on them to win the division. That was ballsy. But I think that uh, um, overall, I think you look at how they played down the stretch and they have – they had the heart playing for Campbell, even when they were in, you know, getting blown out in games, they're still playing hard. And um, down the stretch, they started winning. And I think that them getting Chark was one of the best signings in the league this year. He fits the team well. They're going to have Amon Ross and Brown kind of running, um, you know, underneath and have him as a deep threat, you know, Swift open up things as well as Hawkinson. So there are a few mouths to feed in this offense, but you're talking about the best offensive line in the NFL, uh, which is going to give them plenty of time to, to, to throw the ball. And uh, we're already seeing Chark make plays inside of um, camp. And I, I, I would not be surprised if we looked up like week seven, maybe week eight, and he's leading the team in, in receptions and, or not receptions, in leading the, lead the team in yards. So I, I'm very high on Chark this year. If you're high on Chark, are you are are you low on St. Brown? That's literally what I was just going to ask. Yeah, I'm lower. I mean, I I think it took a lot for him to succeed last year. I mean, we look at um, the amount of targets that he was you know getting down the stretch, but we also had Swift who was uh, hurt. We also had Hawkinson who was hurt. I mean, for for Christ's sakes, even Jamal Williams was hurt. So it, it took a lot to go wrong in order for everything to go right for him. Uh, I don't think that's the scenario here in, in 2022. Do I think he's going to do well? Yes. Uh, I just don't like his cost at ADP. So uh, it kind of reminds me of a very similar situation last year between Ayuk and Debo. Uh, you know, I'm going to take the latter of the two at ADP and um, I have them very close in yardage. So close that I always take, you know, the second at cost and, and think that, you know, Chark could easily lead this team in, 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 in yards. I think probably DJ Chark is somebody that I should like a little bit more based on being a zero shares of Jamison Williams guy. I think my issue is it's it's just so crowded because I'm not high on Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm not high on TJ Hawkinson, although I'm at market on him. I'm not high on DeAndre Swift, probably a little bit below market there. So it's I think it's probably one of those offenses I, I haven't really thought enough about who I should like and just thought, man, there's so much there. I don't even want to sort it out because I don't think they're going to be that good overall. But, you know, there's there's potential to miss some opportunity there. I mean, Frank Ragnall's back. And this offense still, without Frank Ragnall last year, finished. Uh, the offensive line was like top 13, I believe. They get him back. They're projected to be the number one offensive line of football. Shark runs a 4-3-40. And he's six foot three. Like I said, he's got that size-speed combination. Um, rookie year, I mean, he had 1,000 yards his rookie year. I mean, yeah. eight touchdowns. So it, it, he got injuries, you know, on, in 2021 and he missed a couple games in 2020. So that's kind of been the plague of his career. But if he can stay healthy, uh, I mean, I, there's a lot to like about him. Mm-hmm. My my only holdup with Chark is is Goff, the quarterback that's going to maximize his skill set. Right. right. And I mean, Goff, yeah, go, go ahead. No, no, you continue. Sorry. I, I mean, you know, Goff doesn't like to throw downfield and he's not very good when he does. So I, I just I, I just don't know about the fit. Yeah, I mean, we saw him take some shots last year. I mean, he's not the best deep ball thrower, but when you have more time to sit back in the pocket, I sure. think it's going to give him a few more opportunities to do that. Uh, I mean, let's face it, he's not 
you know, a Patrick Mahomes or, you know, someone who's going to just sling it down the field. But when he's able to sit back in the pocket and maybe have the best protection in the league, it's going to give him more opportunities. So that's what I'm banking on is that this offensive line, I mean, he threw out of a clean pocket last year, 75% of the time it was number two in the league. Is it going to be number one this year? Is it going to be 80% of the time? I mean, that's a lot of time. And so, uh, I mean, that's a quarterback's dream. So if you're able to, to sit back there and, and not have to worry about getting hit, you're going to be able to take more chances. We've got Kevin's next pick coming up. Followed that Zach Wilson pick with Kenneth Walker, which was your third running back, I believe. How many mm-hmm. running backs? Well, actually, I, I won't ask you guys to reveal how many running backs you because uh, <laughs> we're not we're not that far uh, into the draft to do that. But you're both now <laughs> sitting on four at this point. And Kevin, is Michael Carter a target player for you there, or was there some other factor that brought you to him? Yeah, top player on my board. Um, I think. Uh, it totally depends what happens with Brees Hall. And I like Brees Hall a lot, um, but, you know, there's always that question mark, how are they going to run the offense? I, I think there's a very real possibility that uh, Salo, you know, wants to do a two-back system like they have in San Francisco. Um, I, I think Carter may either be the, the pass down back or even just mix in kind of like a 70-30, 60-40 kind of player. So and, and that, I just have him projected um, always higher than he goes. I have him projected for 170 fantasy points. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a solid player there. If, if it doesn't, if it doesn't pan out, like I think, and he's, uh, relegated to the bench most of the time, obviously it's a bad pick, but, uh, there's also the, you know, there's also the, the handcuff upside if, if all gets hurt. Yeah. It's late enough that you don't need him to be involved all the time for it to work out from there. I I'm not high on Carter, but there's certainly the path for him from there. Either, either of those paths, whether it's strict handcuff to Brees Hall, or, you know, if he's more involved than a lot of us might like to believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. We've got Billy's next two turns coming up. Irv Smith, was that the first tight end for Billy's team? Yes. Yeah. We have, that was your first one. So yeah. that makes a quarterback with an elbow injury and a tight end <laughs> with one thumb. Are you concerned at all? Wow. Um, I, I mean, it's it's, it's just going to be a risk reward with this team. I mean, look. Luckily, there's no buy-in, right? So I can risk it for the big game. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't have to worry about you know being being negative in in in, in terms of uh, my ROI. So I can just take shots. Um, but I I do think that Irv Smith should be ready by week one. If it is week two, I mean he's still going to see a pretty high target distribution on the games that he's active. So um, I, I I'm confident I can find someone to fill in in the meantime. I did think about mentioning that factor earlier. There are a lot of drafters here that spend a lot of money throughout the year. At this point, right. we don't ask them to kick in any at the start. It's all you're, you're in for free with the chance to win money. So it's it's encouraging you to take chances. Totally. Yeah. I almost took Watson just because, you know, F it, why not? You know, we have <laughs> just shoot for the moon. But I figured if Josh Allen or Stafford, if Josh Allen or Stafford go down, this team's pr- pretty much toast anyway. So <laughs> you, guys, you guys both only have two quarterbacks at this point i think we're basically out of locked in starters um are you are you cool with that was that your plan coming in just to get to and kind of be done with it how do you how do you approach that in super flex best ball yeah i'm fine taking two i mean if it's not a it's it's not you don't have to start two quarterbacks i mean it's it's optimal to start two but Mm -hmm. at this point um i'm fine with the two i have again um, if Josh Allen goes down, this team is probably not going to go anywhere anyway. So I'm not going to win the overall. I'm not going to have a chance at that. So I, I think um, I'll probably stay at two. I mean, if you wanted to, you could get crazy and throw someone like Taysom Hill in and hope for you know a game or two out of them. But it's just to me, it's not it's not worth it. I'm just going to continue to hammer the positional players and and just stay with two quarterbacks. 
Yeah, same for me. I, I was kind of hoping to get three if things fell right. Um, my target was to get um, to get Justin Fields in the third. That was what I was hoping would happen, and he came. He went off at three one. So I was surprised he went had had a Stafford and um, Carr. But um, yeah, I, I when that and that missed, I just kind of decided to push it off. And uh, yeah, at this point, I, I agree with Billy. There's nobody kind of worth maybe in the. I mean, it's 25 rounds, so maybe at the end I'll grab somebody with upside. But Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's enough room in this 25 round draft to even slap some backups onto rosters here somewhere. Um, we'll see what situations people favor for those kinds of players. Um, so Billy followed Irv Smith with Gerald Everett. It, that if you're waiting till that point in tight end premium to get your tight ends, seems like a nice pair to get. Were you? Um, was there anybody that went before either of those turns that you were disappointed didn't get to you? Yeah, I, Albert okay. It was kind of a long shot for him to come back, uh, but I was hoping it, it may have happened. Um, and then I was actually hoping to tap um, Irv Smith and Njoku. Uh, he didn't make it back, but I, I'm fine with Everett. I have Everett um, projected higher than most people, too. He's my he's my tight end uh, 20 on the year right now. I'm probably going to be 19 once I finish this this next uh, set of, of updates. So um, I think, you know, this AFC West, I think, conference is going to be pretty high-powered, and I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities to succeed with with um, Herbert. Everett's my tight end 15, so I was hoping to get him in that round, so I thought that was a great pick. Thank you. Yeah, he's probably going to move up. I have to go through and kind of do some more updates. I'm trying to finish those by tomorrow night, so I, I should have them posted and, and updated, but I, I just, I'm running a little bit behind. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if you guys are, but I know our like our tight end – 11 through 22 or something are separated by like 15 fantasy points. I change, like right. I give a guy an extra like five targets and he jumps up like 10 spots <laughs> in our rankings. It's crazy how um, tightly packed that, that yeah, tier really is. is. Yeah. yeah. And so I, they're all pretty have, livable. Like you can, you can yeah. feel good about, I mean, you guys who waited on tight end. I did not do that in league one, but these guys you're talking about Tanyan too, I guess, Engram, people are into him. Like you have six or eight or 10 guys there that people like drafting. Yeah, I have Ertz at tight end 12 right now, 125.8 fantasy points. And then Everett, for instance, is 115. So it's, it's just literally like 10 fantasy points, and there's yeah. like all those guys in between. <laughs> Billy, did you have That's any low. thought of taking Dawson Knox in either what, the 10th or 11th you had shots to stack him with Josh Allen? Yeah, I thought about – I was actually thought about going Singletary Knox and just completing the bill stack completely. Um, but I thought – Maybe we'll see how high people are in this room on Knox. Uh, he's lower in my rankings than most people. Uh, so, I, again, a long shot that he might come back, but I didn't expect it. But I wanted to go Chark just because I knew of some guys have Chark higher on their board in this room, and, and I knew he would not make it back. So, uh, again, I'm fine with tight end. I think there's so much value this year at the tight end position. Uh, there's still even one or two on the board that I think could be potential, you know, top 12 tight ends in this league with target shares. And, and I, it's just a matter of like, like Jared said, it's just, you know, it's a matter of like two, three catches and maybe, you know, 70 yards. So it's, it's, it's really tight. And I think that, you know, one game can, can really change the, the top 15 landscape. And, and there's still some guys out there that are, that are going to suffice, especially in a, in a, in a, in a best ball. And that's where it makes sense to just wait and get the, you know, last few guys in that tier. Right. And, you know, sa- save yourself some draft capital. Exactly. You know, you just hammer it two or three times and then just hope that one of them finishes top 12. And, and if not, well, whatever, you, you made up the ground in other positions. 
Well, we appreciate you guys jumping in during your draft and taking some attention away from your team to talk us through your picks <laughs> and your general thoughts and fantasy. Kevin, before we let you go, why don't you tell people where to find you? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin Scott FF. Uh, the podcast will be during the season. That's at Grinding the Data. So definitely check that out. Yeah, thank you. And we've Jared and I have already been on that show, so I can certainly Sorry. recommend it. <laughs> Billy, tell people where to look for you. Uh, at FF Musio, it's M-U-Z-I-O on Twitter. Uh, you can find uh, my rankings over at Full Time Fantasy, uh, and then come draft with us over at uh, the FFWC. It's another high stakes platform, and you can win ten thousand dollars in league prizes alone inside of our World Championship main event. So uh, it's it's a pretty pretty good ROI for over there. Billy, Kevin, thank you both for stopping in. It's always fun to talk football with you guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks, guys. For, having thanks for having us. On. See you next weekend, Bill. Maybe Kevin too. Yes, I'll see you in Canton. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. And we have another guest from this draft ready to join us. It's John Paulson from 444.com. John, thanks very much for joining us to talk through your draft. Thanks for having me, guys. I've been listening to the commentary and thought I would jump on to, to say, hey. Yeah, appreciate it. We've gotten a lot of visitors from this particular draft. <laughs> it's nice to get some fresh opinions in here because I'm tired of hearing Jared's. I hear them multiple times a day. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> so Jerry, I, I know. I, I mean, our, our discussion's been so good tonight. I'm, I haven't even been paying attention to this draft. I have like no idea what these teams look like at this point. <laughs> Scroll us up so we can see. I, I forget which team is John's here in the order. Number ten. Number ten. So we've got Tom Brady, Russell Wilson to start. Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Terry McLaurin, uh, Cortland Sutton, T.J. Hawkinson, Adam Thielen, Ramondre Stevenson, Russell Gage, Damian Harris, Tyler Boyd, Noah Fant, George Pickens. So. John, did you expect to be going quarterback in that spot? And thus, then, then after that, did you expect to start with a couple of quarterbacks within your first few picks? Uh, yeah, I think there's a drop off after the first, you know, 13, 14 quarterbacks. I wanted to make sure that I got two. And really, I, I looked at the draft boards. Uh, Jared actually sent them over and I was looking at some of these quarterbacks that are going in the fourth or fifth round and they're being you're drafting some goofballs over <laughs> dj moore and keenan allen and you know other good players and i didn't want to get in that situation so in superflex i like to get my two quarterbacks get my two studs and then just start hitting the other positions because running back right receiver and tight end tend to fall in superflex anyway you can get value uh later mm. i like goofballs i'm gonna start calling Jameis winston a goofball <laughs> I mean, two years ago, Carolina was targeting a goofball over DJ Moore, right? <laughs> These drafts have increasingly been quarterbacks early. And so if you looked at mine in League One, where Hertz went at 12 and last night Hertz went at 12, you know, you might have been hoping for that. But I feel like people I've talked to about these, that's the one point they've made the most often is why did the quarterbacks last so long in the, the first night it might have been because of auto draft and not knowing what the rules were but even you know last night it changed a little bit and then you're at 10 john and maybe brady or wilson are like the end of the line for you i don't know but you said 13 or 14 i think were uh your your tear break yeah i mean i had there were some guys that went after uh i'd have to look at the draft board here um to see um you know prescott lance uh and specifically i think aaron Rodgers fell a lot like i have him a lot higher than it looks like this room does um and that's life sometimes but uh i think he's a uh, he's he's being way undervalued due to the loss of Devonte adams i think he'll be fine and um so i think uh 
it was interesting to see that uh, Jay Reed and Scott uh, drafted three quarterbacks in a row and decided not to pass up on that value with, with Rodgers. Yeah, so he went 16th among quarterbacks here. Where would he be on your board? Oh, God, I think I have him at 10 or 9. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, in this format, though, I think when I crunched the numbers for this format, I think he was showing up a little bit lower than that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, he, I mean, he was on my radar in, in, uh, in the second round if if it really went really quarterback heavy and I was down to it, you know. So with him that much higher than where his – I guess it's not a ton higher than his ADP, but higher than where he's going in general – which pass catchers are you also bringing up with him in uh, Green Bay? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, uh, <laughs> Dubes has been getting the the buzz, so I think he's now on the radar um, where you know he wasn't early on. Uh, he's obviously making plays, and once once Rogers starts talking to you or talking about you on the Pat McAfee show, it's a <laughs> pretty good sign that you're on the radar. Um, I, you know, you want to like Watson, but, I, you know, you think he's pretty raw. I think you can count on Tanyan to be uh, a pretty big part of that offense. That's why, also why I like uh, Aaron Jones uh, in, terms of, in terms of his pass catching. Uh, I'm pretty confident that he'll be able to uh, to produce. He catches a lot of passes when Devontae Adams has been out uh, in, recent, uh, in recent games. Is the, uh, is the Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson thing something you like doing – in general, or is just kind of fell that way? No, Damien, Damien just fell to me there. Um, and I was like, you know what? I don't normally stack running backs like that, but, uh, you know, just locking up that uh, mm-hmm. Patriots backfield, I think, is a little bit of an advantage. I don't have to look at my other running backs as, as early. You know, I don't have to fill out the running back spot as much because I think I'll have some baseline uh, production there from from those two. And, that that you know, that running game has been – really productive for a lot of years. And I think those, I mean, I, I prefer Stevenson. I took him first, but uh, mm-hmm. there is that touchdown upside with Harris that we saw it last year. John, I have a question about Terry McLaurin. So I end up in a lot of situations and drafts where McLaurin is about the best option, but every time I see his name, I get all sort of flustered, like great player. Everybody agrees, but the situation and, I don't know, maybe a little bit like DJ Moore in that way where you just don't know what it's going to amount to. Are, are you confident? I don't mean not tonight necessarily, but are you confident when it comes to that situation for you? Like is McLaurin somebody you can – do you love him or do you settle for him? How do you feel about him? Yeah, I, you know, when I look at uh, trying to evaluate uh, receivers, you know, production is one aspect of it. Uh, likely target share is another. And then I like to, to use Matt Harmon's reception perception – uh, and he really grades out well as a uh, route runner. Um, over the years, Matt's work has been great. It's identified a lot of guys ahead of the curve, like Tyree Kill and Deontay Johnson and Tyler Lockett. And um, McLaren has, you know, obviously already been productive. I just think that when you go from terrible at quarterback to mediocre, that's a big upgrade for you. And both DJ Moore, you mentioned him earlier, and Terry McLaurin are getting that sort of upgrade, I think, with uh, going to Carson Wentz and – uh, Baker Mayfield. So um, I just have, I, I just, you know, I like him as my wide receiver one. I, I was really hoping that Deontay Johnson was going to make it back to me. I love him. Um, but he uh, got sniped one pick before me, but uh, yeah, I, I have full confidence in, in McLaurin. I think uh, 
Carson Wentz, uh, his adjusted completion rate on deep passes is pretty good. I think he'll be better than any of the quarterbacks that Washington's had in recent years as far as throwing the deep ball, and that'll take advantage of McLaurin's speed. Can I please just quickly echo the Matt Harmon compliment? So when I'm, I'm on WGR in Buffalo every afternoon, and when the Bills traded for Stephon Diggs, uh, all right, so what is this going to mean? And th- there were two people I wanted to ask, Matt Harmon and Matthew Collar, who used to be a producer of ours in Buffalo, but he's close to the Vikings. And Matt Collar said, don't worry about any of the locker room diva, any of that. Don't worry about it. Love him. And then Matt Harmon came on the show and said, elite. So I, I knew we were all set, and that's, I think, been uh, borne out. Um, let's look at what John did at tight end here. We talked about the running backs, and you know I agree that uh, – in general, stacking teammates at running back is not like a, a, a track that you want to head down, but New England is like probably the best team for doing that because we know that they're going to run plenty because they've produced rushing touchdowns year after year and because you're getting both of those guys late. You mentioned Damian Harris um, falling here. Actually, have we seen Damian Harris fall behind Ramondre Stevenson yet in ADP? I have not been drafting as much lately is i i just yeah i just looked yeah if you don't mind me chiming in i just looked at it today with uh underdog he just uh stevenson just slightly slightly moved ahead of um of uh harris which i thought was interesting given that harris is still the you know technically the rb1 there yeah i was figuring that we would start to see that were you surprised getting back to tight end which i started talking about before i got off my own track um were you surprised to see noah fant get to tight end 21 or is that kind of where he belongs at this point just because of the situation Maybe you could vamp for a second because I'm on the clock here and I don't oh, know yeah. who I'm going to pick here. We've got Noah uh, Fant as his second tight end that I'm talking about to go with TJ Hawkinson. And it looks like a decent value range for Hawkinson. Although, Jared, it's like two and a half rounds ahead of where Dallas Goddard went. So there's some yeah. separation there. Yeah, like I like Hawkinson as a seventh rounder more than Schultz as a, a sixth. But yeah, I mean, I, I like Goddard a few rounds later. But, you know, th- like those three guys are sort of a tier for me. Um, so, you know, just again, uh, whoever you can get latest is sort of the guy I like. Let's hope it's not a tier that induces tears later. We got McLaurin ahead of Cortland Sutton, despite having Russell Wilson on his roster already. So clearly John was just talking about how he likes McLaurin. I would say it seems like from those picks that McLaurin is well ahead of Sutton on your board. Uh, yes. Um, I, I, I drafted Sutton uh, to stack with, mm-hmm. uh, with Russell Wilson. That was one of the reasons I took him. Um, I had him down a little bit in my rankings, but it was close enough that um, it wasn't egregious in terms of not following my own rankings, which I try to do, mm-hmm. uh, be, you know, because my followers would be like, why did you take so-and-so when you have this person, <laughs> this person ahead? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, just looking at my receiving core in general, I'm happy with who I've gotten. I mean, McLaurin is my one, Sutton is my two, Thielen is, I think, a, a really solid three, very underrated uh you know, he was the wide receiver seven before his injury last year, a little bit older, but yep. Minnesota is going to be passing more. And I took Gage. Uh, there was another stacking opportunity. I took Gage a few spots higher than where I had him ranked positionally because I had Tom Brady. I missed out on the the Godwin stack, but uh, the Graham Barfield's been bothering me with his picks at the turn. He's been sniping me on a couple of players, Lockett, uh, Godwin. Uh, so I uh, decided to grab Gage there in case, uh, you know, he gets some extra playing time uh, with, you know, either Julio dinged up or Godwin dinged up. I mean, these drafts aren't working well if there's not somebody else annoying you with who they're picking. Um, Absolutely. That was an interesting point to me on sticking to your rankings because there are times, you know, we all do projections here and, you know, you've done it at the top of the game for years. So I certainly respect what you do. And 
I wonder if you ever find a point doing those numbers after you have your rankings and when you're drafting where there's a guy that you're just not drafting where you have him ranked or a pair of guys you're like I just I can't take this one over that one and then that makes you go back and change or is it just trusting your process and sticking with what got you there no that happens all the time so I'll, I'll release my initial set of projections and then I start drafting and if I'm not drafting according to my rankings or at least close to it then I start making notes and, and go back and adjust because I would like, I like my projections to, you know, for our subscribers to be like, Oh, this is what John, this is who John would take at this point, you know, positionally or whatever. Um, I, I try to have it reflected, but I think once you get later in drafts, you know, it's hard to have the projections um, match up with the, mm -hmm. the upside for some of these, you know, RB twos that if they, uh, if they, if there's an injury to the RB one, um, you know, they're up, they're upside, you know, like somebody like Alexander Madison has a little more value than where maybe he should fully shows up in my, in my projections, because if he's, uh, if there's an injury to Dalvin cook, we know he's an RB one, uh, mm -hmm. but on a weekly basis, he doesn't get a whole lot of work for Minnesota. So it's a little bit uh, strange trying to rank those two and then, and then trying to deal with somebody like Madison. I just try to tell, uh, uh, our subscribers to really look for upside there. Once you get your RB three, RB four, you know, you're looking for guys that, uh, could hit and be RB twos, RB ones. If there's an injury ahead of them. Mm -hmm. Now we will let you go ahead of your round 17 pick and focus on the draft. Cause there's still going to be what eight more rounds in this, but <laughs> I want to ask about the last two guys because you took two straight injury questions and you mm -hmm. know, we're, we're well into the teen round. So there's room for those kind of gambles, but Michael Gallup, James Robinson with consecutive picks. Um, what are your, what's your outlook for those two guys? Uh, I can't say that these are my two favorite picks in my draft, but I was scrambling <laughs> a little bit because I was, I was trying to keep up with, with the, you were asking me questions and I was trying to keep up with the draft. I have this draft program that I have to enter the picks into. And um, so I was just like, I scrambling a little bit. I did see that Gallup was out there. I do think in a tournament like this, um, I, I don't mind taking some flyers on injury guys that could really peak at the end of the year. And I think he's one of those guys and James Robinson, I mean, 16th round um, he's, not on pup. Uh, and there's been multiple beat writer reports that he's still the RB one or the team still considers him the RB one. So it doesn't mean he's going to outscore ETN, but I think he's going to have a big role in that offense. And if something happens to ETN, who's also coming off of an injury, uh, Robinson could step in and, you know, sort of return that uh, to that form that he was prior. And, you know, the film and the, the video that I've seen on Twitter in terms of him working out, he's looked pretty spry. He doesn't look like he's gimpy at all. Um, so I feel pretty confident he'll be decent, uh, you know, a, a decent player for me. And to me, it's easier to take the injured guys in a 25 round draft, right? You have, you know, all those picks to play with to sort of help, uh, you know, fill in for those guys, you know, in Gallup's case until, until he gets back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, with injured guys, and this is best ball. I don't have to look at them on my bench. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like they'll eventually play for me. I'm not sitting there, you know, staring at them going, should I cut them for this, you know, this player or whatever? Like we yeah. know, like, you know, Gallup would be back in probably mid season. Um, it may be a little bit earlier, but uh, I think once he's back, he's going to be in a pretty big role there for, for, uh, for Dallas. How often do you guys check your best ball teams? Like every day, every week? Uh, <laughs> I have more than ever. So <laughs> what's like some sort of personal advice on that front? Well, <laughs> I don't check them very often. Uh, I think, the, the, I mean, this is a fun tournament to be in uh, because if, if you are in first place, they will call you to be on the podcast to talk about your team. And then you have to sort of familiar, familiarize yourself with your team uh, again. 
Um, no offense to anybody, but you know, we, we do a lot of these best balls and I'm not checking, uh, daily. Some, some of these sites will email you results and stuff and I will look and see, Oh, I did, you know, I was fifth this week or first this week or whatever. So, um, I don't check them often. Um, but this is one that's fun because all of a sudden you get a call. Hey, uh, do you want to be in the podcast? You're in first place. And you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yeah. how you find out. Yeah. That's how you find out. <laughs> yeah. Look for your name in one of Adam Crower's tweets. That's how you get notified. Yeah. <laughs> Well, John, thanks very much for jumping in and talking to us about your draft. Before you go, why don't you tell people where to find you? 444 underscore John. Uh, just released my draft day strategy article, which is a big beast of an article. And uh, 99 stats, but a Mitch is one uh, is my other big <laughs> article that just came out uh, this month. So, uh, you know, check them out. Nice. John Paulson from 444, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Happy to be here, guys. Take care. Take care. Good luck the rest of the way. All right, packed room tonight. That's a lot of people coming in and talk to us. I like it. It's awesome, yeah. Again, I, I don't know what's going on in this draft, so don't ask me who my favorite team is tonight. Jared, who's your favorite team in the draft? <laughs> <laughs> That's a dad joke for you. Um, John is still sitting on those two quarterbacks that he took at the beginning, so we talked to Billy saying that he was fine with just going two quarterbacks the rest of the way. We heard John on the way out the door uh, you know, kind of mentioned somebody who is still available. I guess I shouldn't say it out loud, Mike. Um, so we've got some teams sitting on only two quarterbacks. I, it's surprising to me because if you if you did those underdog best ball um, super flex drafts, there aren't a lot of teams. I don't think. I guess I don't look through everybody's roster so much at the end, but there aren't a lot of teams that just sit on two quarterbacks. I mean, there's only well, there's only. I don't know, 28, 29 locked in starters. So there's, you know, there's not, there's not room for everyone to get a third. Um, and yeah, you look at, you know, it's, it's mostly that it's mostly the teams that started quarterback quarterback that don't have a third, right? I mean, Paulson, I guess, Billy, who started in the first and third. Um, so, I mean, it does matter the the strength of your top two should impact whether mm-hmm. or how hard you go after that third quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like starting with early running backs and taking fewer yep. ultimately after that. So, you know, I'll be curious. I wish, you know, I wish I could say sitting right here that I know exactly what worked the past two years. And I probably should have <laughs> maybe if it were <laughs> a, a, a wider tournament or something I had more, enter- I had more entries into, I might have uh, a bit more uh, of the data backed up for me. Mike, now that we have had a chance to sit back and look at the board a little bit, anything jumping out to you, any teams that are jumping out to you as interesting for any reason? Well, quarterback really is so much of the strategy, as you guys are just discussing. And I think that does go hand in hand, how teams, several teams pushed up two and then just sat there. And then there's a little bit of a, a little bit of pressure to catch up at the other positions. And then there's all kinds of value and you draft a hundred times and you're suddenly you're sitting here in round seven and there is a Monroe St. Brown, you know, like that seems like just maybe subconsciously, all kinds of great value at running back and receiver in those middle rounds. And then it goes by. And like Jared said, there are only so many. So quarterback strategy feels to me, I don't know what studies say, but feels to me like the, the real pivot point in super flex drafts, then you guys have the tight end premium aspect of it. And tight ends were interesting tonight. I mean, I got Kelsey at two, one in the first league, and then you end up with three in the second round and, uh, then a big gap after Waller. So um, I do think, though, that those tight ends we talked about with Billy and Kevin on in those middle, that middle tier do have value. So I think, um, you know, generally, in retrospect, I might want to wait at that position 
longer and get what I get in that 10 to 20 range. I think it's interesting to look at some of the individual players moving around the board between drafts too. Tua Tonga-Vailoa, for example, I believe is a 23rd quarterback off the board in this one. Followed Matt Ryan, followed Mac Jones, followed Jameis Winston. I mean, he went on the went to the same team around the same turn as Jameis, so you know could be even on Graham Barfield's board. But interesting to see him down there uh, behind Ryan Tannehill as well. That's later than I would have anticipated seeing Tua go. And again, I think we talked about this on one of the recent podcasts, but you know, you have Tyreek Hill going in the mid fourth as what, you know, probably probably wide receiver 10 ish. Yep. Jalen Waddell in the sixth round, he's probably, you know, wide receiver 18 to 20. Um, so something doesn't add up there. You know, either two is going to easily beat his price tag or Tyreek and or Waddle is going to disappoint theirs. And if we look at the specifics there, Kevin had two shots that he could have taken Tua with that James Conner and Marquise Brown. I, I can't say I probably would not have taken Tua over James Conner at that spot either, because I think that's too late for James Conner to be going uh, the next turn. I guess he didn't make it back to the Marquise Brown spot. So we had the one shot and I, I single him out because he has Tyree kill on his roster. Um, Jerry Hooten took Jalen Waddle three picks after Tua left. So, you know, I guess he probably couldn't really have known at the T Higgins pick, whether Tua would still be on the board. I don't know. You know, it, it, it would be interesting to ask those guys those specific questions, but, you know, I don't know how much it matters because it's just worth noting that even though we have so much ADP and even across formats at this point, individual players can just move all around in different drafts. Kevin Scott didn't have his first running back yet when he was faced with that decision, and I know I've been under the gun in that situation too, and, you know, the board says this, but how long, how long am I willing to wait for a running back there? And it's just, uh, it's the beauty of the game, how many different permutations and situations can arise. Yeah. And I singled out, I, I talked about whether he should have taken Tua or whether he would have been thinking about taking Tua. I think if you look at where the other quarterbacks after Tua went, it was probably the right call to not take Tua there because there were other opportunities, you know, his strategy is his strategy, but he could have gotten, at other turns, you know, Davis Mills, Baker Mayfield, he did get Zach Wilson, could have taken Carson Wentz, could have taken Jared Goff. So even if I wanted two quarterbacks from that group, that opportunity was there even after taking James Conner and Marquise Brown with those picks. So I'm not sure who the best team is in this draft. I think the most interesting start, at least, was Kevin's start. Two quarterbacks and two tight ends. Kevin and English he, we're talking about now. Kevin English, yep, sorry. Uh, you know, he goes Herbert, Andrews, Carr, Waller, and then he double stacks Herbert. With Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, how you guys? How you guys feel about that start? I'm excited to see Foster Moreau come up on this uh, roster eventually. <laughs> I love he's it. Still, he's still out no, there. He's still out there. I, I thought Louis G last night did a great job with the Saints and the Denver stacks, and I feel like you know this this tournament is you got to beat everybody over six leagues. So uh, to me, that makes sense. You know what, Kevin? Kevin took Josh Palmer too in the 14th round. Oh boy, that's too much. He's got all three. See, uh, so we I, I th we talked about the stack in the running backs with John Paulson a few minutes ago, and like it's not something you normally do, but with New England, it's uh, that's a team you can do it with. I feel similarly with the wide receiver stacks. We talked about it a little bit last night that I think that in general it's it's getting a little bit overdone from at least my anecdotal experience on underdog. I think 
the Chargers are one of those teams that I would be okay with doing it, especially in this format where, you know, players are just going to be all over the place because right. if you got Justin Herbert up there and you're hoping to win a tournament, even a small field tournament, you're hoping that Justin Herbert's going to go nuts, that he's going to finally have that, you know, 7% touchdown rate this season, maybe even six. Uh, that would be good. And if he does so, he's bringing Keenan Allen and Mike Williams with him. I probably would not have taken Josh Palmer because by taking those first two, I'm yeah. betting that he goes nuts and brings those two in that concentrated target tree. You know, it's, it's not a killer, but you know, if, if we're nitpicking and really that's what we're here for, I'd probably go <laughs> elsewhere with that pick. Yeah. I mean, it's a 14th round pick Palmer right. was. So, you know, and then, and then, yeah, I, mean, I think where Kevin got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams was, you know, good value even outside of the stack. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think he did well. And like you said, Matt, if you're going to triple stack a team, you know, the, the chargers are near the top of the list for the teams you'd want to do that with. I like triple stacking the chargers better than triple stacking the Bengals because I, I because Keenan Allen and Mike Williams don't cost as much as Jamar Chase sure. and Higgins for one big thing. Yep. And because there are just more good options in Cincinnati, I think. Although yep, I, I, guess I'm, I guess I'm not talking about Austin Eckler in, in factoring that in, but you know, whatever. We're talking through these things on the fly anyway. Um, Mike, any other rosters that are jumping out to you or picks or decisions or uh, strategies or builds? I would say Jay and Scott. I mean, I mentioned this early, but I, I really am curious about their process. I have played against those guys for a couple of years. And, you know, there are players that like they look at the board when it's their turn every time and try to be open to different strategies and builds and that is not at all to say these guys don't do that but it, it was it was like it jumped out at me when I saw this start the pros versus Joe's draft last year where they started with four running backs I think it was that league and then left it alone like it's a maybe a, a preconceived plan we're going to do this structure wise and then you know get who we get I mean they're both excellent players and that is not to say that um there's any flaw necessarily inherent to that, but three quarterbacks, three running backs, three receivers, just sort of the way those uh, colors line up reminded me of that. <laughs> and, it, I mean, and, you it know, interesting. By, by the way, uh, was it John Paulson who brought up Rogers? Yep. You know, yeah. having him rated higher. That's a little bit of an unusual position, I think, this year. It feels like Rogers is kind of a uh, a lesser quantity than – we're used to with him. So um, I wonder if Jay and Scott thought sort of like John maybe did when it came to Rogers or nope, we're going to get three quarterbacks and then do the next thing. I would, and he was I, what, I, he was the 15th quarterback off the board here. So, I mean, he, he kind of went around ADP. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, obviously we don't know without asking them, I kind of doubt that if Rogers had not been there, if he had gone, you know, a little bit earlier and we otherwise had quarterbacks looking the same. I kind of doubt that any of the next few would have been that third guy. I would guess that it was the end of a tier for them. And, you know, we talk about the colors and the, it's funny to look at that. But three quarterbacks, then the three running backs, I would certainly be fine with starting those three quarterbacks and not taking another, maybe sticking like a backup at the end of the draft. Um, you know, just a handcuff situation, but you don't need another quarterback with those. I would feel... Uh, that is a comfier way to approach it to me than taking the two and thinking that I'm done. Like we've talked about with a couple other teams. And by the way, they Comfy's, just took Foster Moreau. They did. Yeah. Comfy's not always, Comfy's not always good though. You know, right. 
Uncomfy sure. is good. Uncomfy I, is where that's be. where you want to land, be. right? Could be. Yeah. I do want to make sure that I have three worthwhile quarterbacks in this format. I don't want to trust any two guys to be the starter every single week, though. All right. So we know what Matt's doing in uh, next next Thursday night's draft. That's right. But there's if, only so much if, you can do about it because I'm picking 12. <laughs> if we're done with this show by then, I look forward to talking about it. <laughs> right. Don't worry, Mike. We're about to be. <laughs> yeah. So we will go ahead and wrap it up there because we're almost at the hour and a half mark. They've got some drafting left to do, just like the rest of the league's going. But that's going to be it for us. This is night three of the Draft Sharks Invitational, which means we have three more left. All these drafts on fan track. So if you like what it looks like, if you just want to check it out, it's free to register. You set up your own league. You got all the settings you could possibly want. They will help you if you have any issues with your setup. So go to fantracks.com slash draft sharks to start your own league. Go to draftsharks.com, become a DS insider, take advantage of our draft war room so that you can draft well, no matter what the room is like, even a crazy one like this one with all these sharks. Mike, Jared, thanks for joining me tonight. Any parting shots? Good luck next week. Oh, that was that was fun. I'm um Happy to have a few nights off here, but excited to be back at it. Uh, I think, am I drafting uh, next Tuesday? I mean, I'm either next yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Yep, Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, so don't, uh, be be kind. Be kind to me. <laughs> Can't promise anything. <laughs> no. we'll all, I'll be drafting next week as well, so we got three more shows coming up. And, of course, lots more podcasts on DraftSharks.com and all our various podcast channels. For Mike Shope, for Jared Smola, for the entire DraftSharks crew, and for all our drafters, drafters tonight, I'm Matt Shop saying thanks so much for something with us.